Hello, you're listening to Learning Capacity with Colin Klupik. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And remember, we're always interested in your feedback. You can send your emails to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. Carolyn Mee is an edtech entrepreneur who wants to change the way children get screened for hearing loss. With a background in media and a strong desire to improve learning outcomes for children, she's developed an app called Sound Scouts in collaboration with National Acoustic Laboratories, which is a research division of Australian Hearing. The app is a gamified test that invites children to participate in a story. Along the way, their hearing is tested in the comfort and convenience of their own home. Carolyn's work with Sound Scouts has the potential to radically improve detection rates of hearing loss, which in turn will help to provide intervention more quickly, leading to better learning. It's a serious undertaking, backed by scientific research and ongoing development. In this episode, Carolyn shares her journey with Sound Scouts. Carolyn, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Great to be here. It's really great to do this interview with you in person because for the benefit of our listeners, people might not know this, but I'm actually sitting with someone who has worked with Australian television media history. You've worked on Simon Townsend's Wonderworld. I did indeed. Many years ago, I was presenter on the show. Stop right there. Did you ever meet Woodrow? I did, I did, yes. Man, I always liked Woodrow. Woodrow was always funny. Woodrow, for, for our listeners who aren't familiar with Simon Townsend's Wonderworld, it was a, a children's kind of current affairs variety sort of Mag- show. Magazine style. Yeah, magazine style show. And there's uh, Simon Townsend presenting with his, uh, his mascot, Woodrow the Bloodhound, a real dog on set. And occasionally Simon would have to do a bit of clean-up work because Woodrow had a drooling problem. And I remember a couple of episodes where Woodrow just said, look, enough with the cameras, enough with the lights, I'm out of here. <laughs> just walk and off. walked off set. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? Never work with animals. <laughs> or children, that's right. Uh, we love the challenge of both. <laughs> I most definitely did meet some very famous people. Perhaps they weren't so famous then, but they're certainly very famous now. And, uh, in fact, we were just talking about the challenge of uh, doing many jobs. And I was doing a shoot with Jason Donovan and Guy Pearce. <laughs> ah, and, uh, yes, the boys were absolutely fantastic and uh, we're happy to, you know, film in the, in the spirit of the day. But we worked to a lean team and it was the cameraman, the sound recorder, and myself. And I was talking to Guy and Jason and they were like, where's the rest of the team? Where's hair and makeup? And, and I said, you know, I'm it. And we decided to do a Beatles style, catch him, you know, catch him if you can. And I went into the square in Melbourne, this was years ago, and said, okay, I grabbed 10 girls and said, can you chase us when we run? And of course, within minutes, the 10 <laughs> girls multiplied and we had hundreds of girls chasing uh, Jason and Guy and uh, we had to do a very sneaky exit to, um, to get them out in one piece. <laughs> Sound Scouts, and uh, that seems to be uh, quite an interesting journey. But as I was thinking about the Simon Townsend's Wonderworld connection, you know, in the work that I do in, in podcasting and interviewing people, I get to wear headphones a lot, and I talk into microphones and so forth. And that made me think about my own history and having my hearing tested. And I started to wonder, and I could be way off here, but I started to wonder, you must have been in that environment too. I suspect you've worn headphones more than once. Did that media environment get you thinking about 
hearing? Is that or 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 what's going on in the mind? Or is there some sort of connection there? How did I transition into this yeah. space? I actually did some study in 2010 looking at new media. And um, at the time, I was looking for a project to develop, and I heard about Australia's first Indigenous surgeon, and uh, his name's uh, Associate Professor Kelvin Kong. And I that spurred me on to think about the challenges uh, that you know sit around hearing testing and hearing testing lots of children. I have three children, and my two youngest boys both needed to have hearing tests because of challenges they had with learning to read. And so when I put all those pieces together and I was studying new media and the area of gaming came up, serious gaming, it, it you know, it came together and it seemed a logical flow to mm. create a game mm. that could test for hearing loss. Here for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the program, Jonathan Coleman was also a presenter on the show. He was, and I do remember an episode where he was testing smell, perhaps in the same way that you were investigating hearing. I'm drawing a long bow here again, but this hey, this is showbiz. And uh, he developed what was called the nostrophone. So he put a small lavalier microphone against his nose, and then he went around smelling different foods. And he would look into the camera and say, "Can you smell this coming through your television? Are you getting this?" And uh, I'm not sure how far he went down that path is as far as the science is concerned, but you've come a long way down the path with Sound Scouts. Now, just briefly, just I just want to check this. Sound Scouts is an app-based game that tests hearing. It's a short test, it's about 15 minutes, and it gives an idea as to whether there's uh, some sort of hearing loss. Is that right? Absolutely, that's right. When the game's played well and the parents supervise play, then we can also determine what kind of hearing loss uh, there is. So principally there's three types of hearing, let's call them hearing issues. You've got sensory neural loss, which is nerve damage. You've got conductive loss, which is a a blockage in the ear. And then you've got um, auditory processing disorder, um, disorders, uh, which are brain-based hearing issues. And when the game's played well, we can um, discriminate between those conditions. In a little bit more detail in a moment, but um, thinking as far as education is concerned, this fits right into what we call the educational technology or in, in modern language, the ed tech space or edutech, as some people say. Now, I think there'd be many people out there saying, well, this is great because technology has matured to the point where we can actually do this kind of thing in the home. Some people are thinking, great, education is now available to us online, et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, I can buy apps from the app store that help me do stuff. Um, But some people might also be asking the question about efficacy and reliability. And I think that would be one of the big questions that people would have. Okay, I'm going to download this app, I'm going to put some headphones on my kid, and I'm going to watch them do this, and it's going to tell me that there's hearing loss. Presumably you've done a lot of work in trying to get that right from a scientific point of view. Can you talk us through your approach to that? Uh, So to start with, to ensure that I was creating something that would be scientifically valid, I partnered with the National Acoustic Laboratories. The NAL, as they're known, are the research arm of Australian hearing. So it, it was very important for me 
to know that I was working with the best uh, scientists in the business and that whatever we created was clinically valid. So I've been working with Dr. Harvey Dillon, the director of NOW, to ensure that Sound Scouts is as reliable as possible. A backyard project. It's definitely not a backyard project. Uh, yes, indeed. There's a lot of research and development that's gone into Sound Scouts. It's been in the pipeline for over, um, well, close to five years. So we've, been, you know, we built a prototype. We tested the premise with a prototype, and then we've just improved it, iterated, as they say, um, tested again, mm-hmm. made changes, and fine-tuned to the point where all the data and and the science says that it's doing what it should do. So, for example, we would take a version into a, a kindergarten or a, a yeah, kindergarten class, mm-hmm. and we would also go in with an audiologist. So the children would play Sound Scouts, and they would have their hearing tested by the audiologist, and we then look at and compare the results. Um, testing for hearing, as you've just mentioned, in a lab, that's a fairly controlled environment. It was a highly controlled environment. I've, I've had my hearing tested in a hearing lab and you go into a little booth and it's soundproof and, you know, it, it's very, very quiet in there. Um, testing in the home, though, is a different situation. And I'm, I'm curious, how have you allowed for environmental variation? And, and what I mean by that is, I mean, we're, we're doing this interview now in, a, in an office and there's, there are people around us. You know, we can hear people through walls and so forth. And that might be even picked up on the, on the mics here today. You say on your website that you need to be in a quiet part of the house. How can you control for the variations in what people might think is quiet enough? That's a great question. And uh, before I answer it, I'm going to just preface it with saying that while labs certainly, you know, soundproof rooms are, are controlled spaces, they control the sound, but they don't control the emotion of the child. Uh-huh. And okay. a child being in a foreign environment can also have an impact on the child's results. So just putting that aside, what we do in in with Sound Scouts is we use something called a signal-to-noise ratio. So we take um, a measure of... The, the signal or the target sound against a background noise. So that allows us to, um, you know, deal with variable headphones and variable background noises because it's a relative measure. I mean, like all hearing tests, you, you do have to be in a quiet space for them to, you know, mm. to work or to have, you know, a- any relevance. Um, but, you know, ambient background noise is, is something that... We, the game can deal with as well i mean i i use several headphones for the for the work that i do and and i like listening to music so i like a nice pair of headphones and there is incredible variation across those and you find that you've been able to cope with that as well Absolutely. We, again, the signal to noise ratio that we're measuring, which is our key measuring tool, uh, you know, means that we don't have to worry about the nuances in headphones. We 
do say that you know you can't use gaming headphones. Anything that interferes with the um, the audio tracks that have been processed or engineered mm-hmm. uh, will disrupt the, um, the 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 testing mechanisms. So it's you know we don't need fancy headphones. Nice, good, you know, reliable pair of headphones is is what we recommend. So they don't have to be expensive. No, absolutely. That really fascinates me, and I've been thinking about this prior to our our interview, is that presumably you've been collecting data for a few years now, so about five years? Yes. I'm curious, the data, well, sorry, it says on on your website that you get a report straight away, but that something also gets emailed to you in terms of how the app has processed the results. You must be collecting a very wide range of data. Are you seeing any patterns? At this early stage, probably not so much seeing patterns. I suspect the people that are coming to Sound Scouts at this point, it, there is the parents suspect there's a hearing issue. So I'm seeing quite a few fails uh, come through. But I think when there comes a time when we implement a, a universal screening and seeing all children tested to ensure that they don't have an undetected loss, I don't think the rates will be as high as the rates I'm seeing come through at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. Product development as well to, to test it even better all the time? Every single thing that we learn and every test that's done, we're looking at the results. So throughout the testing process uh, and the trial and research development phase, everything we've learned we've put back into the game and, and fine-tune and, and, and try to build in every different sort of variation uh, that um, you can imagine. So, for example, if the children tap the screen too many times, we actually count all those taps and there's a point where the gameplay becomes invalid because the child's tapping too many times. Mm. So we've we've tried to, I guess, um, factor in as many variables as possible. So the re- the results we're getting at the end of the day are a valid test of the child's hearing. So when I'm seeing results come through from testing out in the wild, uh, for want of a better term, I'm also looking at those results and analysing them and making sure that there's nothing um, unusual that we haven't sort of, Mm. um, you know, factored in through the course of development. Well, this question might seem to have an obvious answer. Kids love to play games, but why specifically a game-based test rather than just a straight test? Hearing testing, I think, can be notoriously boring, (laughs) (laughs) dare I say. (laughs) We do, we do, absolutely. Uh, So... And the important thing with hearing testing is to get enough uh, information, enough mm. data points. So if you can bury those those data points in a fun game, then you're much more likely to retain the attention of the child mm. and get good quality data mm. uh, throughout the entire test rather than maybe just you know valid good responses at the beginning uh, so yeah the the game is it's a narrative based game 
And so the children very much um, become absorbed in the narrative and want to know what's happened and how it plays out. And so that drives their engagement. And we find that almost all children uh, play and are concentrating to the end of the game. Minutes is enough. It it is. It it was funny. When I started developing uh, Sound Scouts, people were like, oh, that's so long and and the children won't play for that long. And uh, I have personally sat with over a thousand children Mm. and I can tell you there has been no issue with those children remaining focused and a lot of them get to the end and say, can I do it again? More from my discussion with Carolyn in a moment. You can subscribe to this podcast for free. Visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. Get notified on your Apple or Android device and listen at a time that suits you. Once again, that's soundcloud.com slash learnfast. School use, let's uh, move into a, like a school environment. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, testing a child's hearing is a tricky issue for parents. Maybe they don't want to address that. Maybe there's something that makes them feel uncomfortable about that. I can see from the App Store that you have volume pricing mm-hmm. for, for the app. So you, you download the app to your device and then you can, you can pay for the number of tests that you want to do. And as, as soon as I saw that, I thought, well, there's obviously scale for, for schools. Are you using it in schools? We've had some interest, some early interest from schools and we're certainly hoping and and looking towards uh, building those relationships with different schools. It's definitely an area where we can see Sound Scouts being very appropriately applied. Mm. Um, in, In all the testing I've done, I'll go into the schools and I'll ask the teachers is there anyone you'd like me to test first? Mm. And they can pinpoint the children that they think may have a problem and nine times out of ten they're they're spot on because those children are often disruptive. Having a hearing loss, it impacts a child's ability to concentrate in the classroom. And you've got to understand that, you know, these little children, they're concentrating really hard to try and overcome this hearing loss. Mm. But there's a point where fatigue sets in and then they, you know, they lose concentration and they become disruptive. And, and so that's something that impacts not only the child, the teacher, but the entire classroom. So certainly, you know, the importance of, of picking up children with hearing loss within a school environment is, is paramount. And, and that's what we've targeted, really. The statistics from Australian hearing show that while, you know, a certain number of children are picked up at birth through the newborn hearing mm. test, which is absolutely fantastic, by age eight, three times those number of children have been fitted with hearing aids. Is that right? Exactly. So those children are being found to have a hearing loss after they start school, when they start to do badly at school. Yeah. Well, the problem is, you know, many may get found, but by the time they're found to have a loss, then they've had one, two, possibly even three years of, um, of struggle. And that struggle can undermine their self-esteem. 
and 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 obviously delay their learning and it takes a long time to recover from you know the loss of those very very formative learning years very positive i would imagine very positive they're very interested to you know get more information about the children that do have a problem they want to discount you know hearing issues as the cause for the you know for the child's problem and yes they're very supportive i mean for teachers the pain point you know is often with them um, because they're trying to manage you know they're trying to manage those children on all fronts trying mm. to manage their struggle to learn without being able to hear yeah. and then trying to manage the classroom with you know the children that then become disruptive because you know, it, it's hard for them to engage. Problem, isn't it? It's something that you can't see. If you can't see it, you're generally not really going to think about it very much. When someone says, could be a hearing problem, you think, oh, that's too hard to test. That means I've got to go somewhere and I've got to sit in a booth and I've got to, it's complicated. Mm. Whereas this shortcuts all of those problems, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Have you had much contact with school administrators about this or just directly with the teachers? So at this stage, we've been very much focused on getting the science right mm -hmm. with Sound Scouts. Now the science is right, and we launched at the end of January with uh, the New South Wales Health Minister, Gillian Skinner. And so we're slowly now reaching out to schools and preschools and, and GPs and working to make as many people aware of, of Sound Scouts as possible. As you say, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of obstacles for parents in getting their children's hearing checked through traditional means. They've got to take time off work. Mm. They've got to wait, you know, sometimes six to eight weeks to get an appointment. And, of course, there's, you know, the cost implications as well. So we've really focused on bringing, making the test more accessible, making that screening solution accessible so it can be done at home, it can be done on the weekend, mm. it's cost effective. And so, you know, the parents can take action and then as a second, you know, pass, if the parents aren't able to take action, then I think, yes, the schools are an appropriate, um, you know, uh, second, I guess, second stage. Earlier we're about actual loss of hearing. In other words, I can't hear. But auditory processing disorder is not quite like that because you can hear, but the brain has trouble with what to do with what it hears mm -hmm. so it doesn't really know quite what to do and there's a, um, a a delay in how a child might perceive what it's hearing that prompted me to wonder whether there was also an application here for sound scouts to screen for attention have you given that some thought we focused very heavily on ensuring that it's testing for uh, hearing issues but there are cases when you can see that you, the children do lose attention, and uh, when you've got such a um, such a I guess a large test base, you know that the vast majority of children can focus for that f required fifteen to you know eighteen minutes of, of time. So we've got population norms there mm -hmm. that you know, establish 
um, that you know it is completely within the realms of a five-year-old's child, five-year-old child's attention um, spectrum to you know to get this game done and play it. It was I, as a screening tool. So Sound Scouts is certainly has been developed to point towards hearing issues, but if the child fails and then it's um, not attributed to hearing loss, my thoughts would be that the parents need to look further mm. to determine what it is and if it is a, there is an underlying attention issue because, you know, the evidence says that most children can pass this and play mm. this game effectively. So I hope that's making sense, you know. Enough, you've got enough attempts at the program now to show that, by and large, children can complete this over a period of 15 minutes, even if they, perhaps they don't find it that interesting. So that if, a, if a, a child bugs out after five, six, seven or eight minutes, then clearly there's an issue with them uh, either there's something that they're hearing that, that is upsetting them or they just think it's boring or they simply can't attend, which is a flag to then saying maybe we need to look at something else. I, I think that's a reasonably good summation. Definitely uh, if the child is not able to finish the program, uh, it, it would suggest that there is, is something you know not quite right. It is targeted at five to seven-year-olds. Mm. The story is um, is set for five to seven-year-olds. I've seen a lot of children playing it up to 14 years and and there's no reason that why they can't, you know, also get a valid um, result from mm-hmm. it. But, um, yeah, if a five-year-old or five to seven-year-old is struggling to get through it, then it, there would be a, an indication that something else may be wrong year seven and eight level so are we still getting reliable results at that junior high school level from sound scouts scouts. an adult can play sound scouts and get a valid hearing test result indiscriminate of age and anyone can do it anyone can do it i guess the engagement is best in the younger years because the children <laughs> oh, the characters are so cute. You won't find it boring, but uh, uh, it, it'd be like oh, you know, watching a cartoon, a, a kids' cartoon, uh, versus you know, watching a, a sophisticated adult program. World every day after school, every day. So it's quite likely that I'll get through the 15 minutes. <laughs> so this is an encouragement to our older listeners. Have Indeed. a go of Sound Scouts. You might find yourself pleasantly surprised by the story and you might find out that you're, uh, that you, well, you might have lost a bit of hearing. What was that, dear? <laughs> Can you come again? Um, so, okay, so there's, uh, so there's a broad range of, of application. So I, mean, I guess you could use that then as a targeted thing, just coming back to the high school situation. Mm-hmm. Any teacher then could say, well, look, you know, I've got a year nine class where that kid over there, you know, just not sure whether I'm getting through. And you could say, well, how about we just give him a, a lesson where we say, hey, try this, see what you think of it. So that's very interesting. Now, in the ed tech space, I'm going to ask you a very big and broad question because you are in the startup ed tech space, and I love that, specifically for, um, for what you're doing in helping people with their hearing because it's a very important thing. What's next? 
Is there anything on the horizon? For me or yeah. well, generally? For, for, for Sound Scouts, for you? You're a hearing entrepreneur. Indeed. Certainly, and following on from the conversation about adults and adolescents, we're certainly looking to build specific versions of Sound Scouts for the different age groups. Indeed, yes, yes. And and what works um, you know, for children and for five-year-olds definitely does need to be tweaked and mm. uh, fine-tuned for adults. Uh, adults, I've watched adults play games and it, this, this win it or cost, uh, you know, I must win. And the thing with a hearing game is you get to a point where you actually can't hear any lower than you know yeah. your hearing threshold that's the lowest point at which you can hear so um whereas children sort of i guess maybe slightly oblivious to that they'll just push on adults are still trying to to win and uh yeah so it, it the game will need to be slightly modified to be more effective um for adults and, and we're across that that you could test your corporate executives hearing you need to go and search for the missing millions <laughs> so, so immediately there's an adult story there that's right maybe a reward if they find it Missing <laughs> <laughs> millions. that's great carolyn it's been an absolute inspiration to talk to you i wish you all the very best thanks so much for joining us thank you colin it's been my pleasure you've been listening to learning capacity brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about SoundScouts, you can visit the website. Go to soundscouts.com.au where you'll find the appropriate links to download it for your Apple or Android device. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And remember, we always like to know what you think. Send us your feedback to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.